We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Giddy, how you doing? It's your boy John of the Macri with you for my goodness, it just elation. It is, it is the elation podcast. It's not the next film school podcast anymore, it's the elation podcast. Um, we're gonna talk about why that is and what it means and all the good stuff. But first, I feel like it's been a while since we've spoken, even though we were on a Zoom a couple of days ago and it's just been a week. But like, what a week it's been. Uh, Mr. Jeremy Cohen, hello, sir, how are you? Cloud nine, John. Oh <laughs> my God. I, I can't remember the last Cheers. time. Cheers. Of course. <laughs> uh, I can't remember the last time I was as amped up about a basketball game. Uh, and then I could, it was Friday when yeah. <laughs> the Knicks beat the Mavs and I couldn't remember before then. And oh yeah, it was against the Lakers before then. And what about the time? Oh yeah. You know, the Pelicans It's just every game keeps building to this point and yeah. the jubilation of watching this, Watching a team with, granted, still like $13, $14 million in cap space and be able to do all of this by oh, not yeah. spending money and by finding key players, lift them. And on a day where you got RJ you know, fouling out early, yep. um, Bullock later on, but the ability of Randall to continue his torrid week of revenge, uh, Noel <laughs> coming back from the brink of, of death with his hand, um, you know, all of this Rose just being unflappable and, and that yeah. final play, at least in, in regulation on offense with the Knicks kicking it out. I mean, just all of it was so exhilarating and it's just, it's been too long. It's been too long. I love it. If it, it feels, it, it feels, it feels like it's been forever. Um, I guess that the difference between us is during 12, 13, you were, 
you were 18. Am I aging? Am I aging you correctly? I turned 18 that year. You, yeah. you turned 18 that year. So you're like exiting that. There's something that happens to you as a, or maybe for me at least, maybe because like my teenage years were in the 90s. And then as I turned, um, you know, 17, 18, 19, like moved on is when they got bad. So it's, I feel like something happens to you as a fan around those years. And maybe the same is true of you, but like, I don't know. It, it's just, this is very, this is a very strange feeling. I, I almost forgot what it was like to root for a Nick team that was not only good, but because the 12, 13 team was good. And we don't have to do a whole history lesson. We have a lot of important stuff to talk about that's relevant for right now, but just very quickly, the 12, 13 season was great and it was wonderful, but it was so like unique in that there was all these kind of vet, I don't want to call them mercenaries, but, lack of a better word, kind of mercenary. There was Pets nobody higher. Yeah. I mean, in terms of your young, your core, like, yeah, Chump was young, um, but like it was an older group. It was guys who were assembled for that run, maybe one more run. And it was like, there was no, it's almost like there was very little time to develop a relationship with that team because they started off so hot and it was almost from the, from jump street. It was like, okay, the Knicks are a contender, like literally within two weeks. It's like the Knicks are a contender. And then the rest of the season happened and they, you know, they didn't win like this season. And I was just talking about it on the live stream and, and quick shout out to anybody who um, wants to hear a more traditional post game, because we're going to talk big picture stuff, this, this podcast and the week that was and all that. If you want to hear about um, thoughts specifically on the Pelicans game, um, check your feed and, and the pod version of the, um, of the, uh, of the live stream that we just did, or I just did um, with Andrew. Um, this feels different. This feels different. This feels there's an there's there's an organicness that's not a word to this that is that is fun and and has really had and 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 it was uncertain, and maybe that's a good transition to what we've just experienced this week. There was an uncertainty about all this that even today, and I want to get your impressions on the game before we talk about the week. Like even today, down the stretch, it's like it. Eh, you know, they came out, they should have put their foot down. They didn't take it seriously in the third quarter. And now they're in a game. This is, and all the, all the bad thoughts come in and then they, they do what they did. And it's just, um, it's been fun. So, yeah. It really does feel like this is a year where it's, it's kind of similar to, we've talked about this a little bit, uh, the 2017 Yankees, where it was just like a young team with some older guys as well, but it, it really felt like, okay, it'll be nice if they take, a step this year, come back from a really rough year, the past year. And I'm not comparing, you know, we, we, it's incomplete to compare them to the, to a Yankees team that made it to, you know, the championship series, at least in yep. their, in their conference. So, uh, so that's one thing, but in terms of the expectations and, and as you were hinting with, with, uh, or hitting on with Vegas, the idea of how we're now well past that point, we're at what 31 wins right now. We are uh, nine and a half wins above the preseason Vegas. Uh, predi- uh, I don't say prediction because it's not a prediction. It's it's the number they set to get the most people to bet equally on both sides. That's what right. it is. But whatever it is, we're nine and a half clear of it with now 15 game, fif- 14. I'm losing track of, of 14 games to go. 15, 15 games to go. This okay. game 57. So yes. There you go. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's phenomenal. Um, what, what more good things can we say about Julius Randle? <laughs> I, I don't know. I really don't. When you look at this past week in terms of what he's done, I mean, it's, it's just incredible. I mean, in the, since we last talked, John, he said four games. Randall's played 42.2 minutes. He scored 35.8 points per game 
on 48.1% from the field, 45.5% from three, 83.9% from the line, 8.3 rebounds, 6.5 assists, 4.5 turnovers. You take that. You take that 100%. I mean, there were Bernard King numbers. Wasn't he the first player since King to have 40, 10, and 5 in a game? Yep. Albeit against the the Mavericks in Dallas, revenge game. This whole revenge week for him has just been (laughs) staggering. And I hope that I hope he goes in with this mindset of like, oh, I'm going to be playing in Dallas today. Or, oh, I'm going to be playing against a team that didn't really want me. That sort of, you know, that mindset will carry the Knicks so far. And so, again, like I, I just the screams that I had were indicative of the play that was on the field or on the court, rather wrong sport. Um, (laughs) But there was something that kind of also spoke to me about that Randall three that really kind of helped seal the deal at the buzzer. And especially after the Friday game, the wait, you're talking about the three that he hit today against new Orleans. Correct. Oh, the uh, the The one where they had to review it. I'm thinking buzzer. I'm my mind automatically goes to the last play of uh, regulation and different buzzer, but yes, the 24 second shot clock buzzer. Yes. Yes. So Randall hitting that, and, you know, the, they had to take a look at it. Weren't sure yeah. if that went through or not. And he hit it. Knicks won. And it was beautiful. And I couldn't help but right away think about the comparison or the juxtaposition of Porzingis, specifically that Charlotte Hornets game where the mm. ball was still on his rake-ass hands because the lankiness was so ridiculous remember, that, that the Knicks lost because of that. I remember watching that game in a basement that my wife and I uh, were renting out at the time. Yeah. And it was crushing. And now, you know, it's exciting. And if that, to me, you know, the juxtaposition of the two, it, it felt like a microcosm of what's going on, where it's like you've got Randall able to get this shot in and the Knicks win versus an era where you have Porzingis able to get the shot in, but it's yeah. too late and the Knicks lose. Yeah. And it just, it feels like a different era because it is, it is one, but the ability to, to have that type of player be consistent and lead you, especially after Friday, um, because you know, I was prepared even today. I thought when RJ missed that mid range jumper, I was like, all right, well, it was a nice streak. It was, it's great. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't see how it's going to wind up working well. And then elf comes into the game, like, oh, <laughs> which well, was really shit. what all of us were like, <laughs> right. well, I guess it's That's not what I today. <laughs> I think he was in for about over two minutes and they scored I- one point. And look, credit to just real quick, credit to Tibbs for recognizing pretty quickly, like this is not going well. I don't right. know what, but what not the quickly enough there. to the point where it was like, oh, let me put Elf into this rotation because that's what we need is less shooting and, and less ability and puts Elf in, uh, puts IQ in, excuse me, and yeah. everything just opens up instantly. And it's happened before. This is once again, another example, whatever credit to Elf, at least in the first half, uh, I thought the pass that he made to RJ for that open shot was beautiful in the first quarter. And then RJ did the same thing back to elf in the corner later on. It was great to see that, that passing. Yeah. But I mean, again, like, and I'll say this as well, the, and I don't want to hold this. I hate looking at one game sample size and be like, see, this is where I feel. But <laughs> I would say that Lonzo coming back from injury and oh. having this one game, his performance say lack of pull-up jumpers, not facilitating in the half court. And I know that, well, that that's not his a job. second game. There's a second, second game. Thank so you. in, in right. fairness, you know. um, all of this happening when Rose splits the D goes to the hoop and then Lonzo forgets that the team is up by three for some reason, then digs in to go get Rose. It's too late because Derek Rose is too smart for that. Kicks it out to, I believe Bullock who hits the three game goes to overtime. Magical. 
that, um, that type of yeah. situation where, you know, having a drive and kick point guard be able to create that opportunity and, and throw off the defense and, and lead you to overtime and then winning. That is everything that is, so, that is a huge reason why probably maybe the reason why the Knicks made it to overtime in the first place. Um, so just, just something to consider throughout into the ether. Um, but great I, game all around. Yeah. Um, they didn't, they didn't cave. Um, like forget not winning this game last year. They, they don't win this game. I don't know last week, last month, whatever it's, it's a, it's progression. Um, but on that last play, uh, I don't know if you saw a stand, uh, you, I'm sure you saw Stan's comment at the end of the, after in the post game, uh, today was 7.8 seconds left. High school guys would have done what they were supposed to do. Um, and then, uh, Steph Bondi actually pointed out on Twitter that not only did, uh, Eric Bloodso not foul Dark Rose, um, which they had, um, or they could have fouled. And, uh, once, once he got inside the three point line, he should have done that. And then to, for Alonzo to close in on um, off of Reggie Bullock and then credit all the credit in the world, Derek Rose. um, That was not the first, um, that was not the first option uh, out of the timeout. It was supposed to go to to Julius, but they covered it. Well, Um, this is Derek Rose said this after the game and then, you know, um, obviously made it to Reggie. So great win. Um, The week in total, um, I, you know, this, if they had not, we don't have to talk about it because they won the game, but if they had not won this game, I'm not sure how much of a damper this would have put on the week. I think here's the reason why I think you could have argued that it would have put a damper on the week because there, there were, I think there was the sense that the toughest, not that the tough part was out of the way, all the games are tough, but like the notion that they went on the road and won both of those games against a New Orleans team that like, look, yes, the record is what it is, but this New Orleans team is not a bad team. They're not a good team. And we saw the reasons why they're not a good team today, especially down the stretch, but they're also not a bad team to win, to beat them in New Orleans and then to beat Dallas and Dallas. Um, and then to start off the homestand with a loss. That's the part that would have bugged me to start off the homestand with, because now you start off the homestand with a win. You have a little bit of wiggle room. They, look, they're going to lose a game at some point pretty soon. Right. But like, to, to just to take care of that business. And um, we haven't explicitly talked. Well, you mentioned it at the start of the show, the Dallas game. Um, I haven't talked to you since the Dallas game. I, I think it's the biggest win this century. I'm, I, I'm just going to say it. This I think century. Big, I think this century since the, since the, so since the 99, 2000 season, how about that? Because the 2000, 2001 season, um, they were good, but that was after they made the um, the Glenn Rice stayed Glenn Rice on that team. Um, it was it was three team that would look really good in the modern NBA. Uh, Rice, Houston, and, and Sprewell. Um, and then they ended up falling to fourth in the in the playoff seating, and um, it got beat by Toronto. And then everything happened after that. I just unless you want to give me if you want to give me a insanity game, but like insanity was. A, a magical, but like there were still massive questions about that team and like Mello was out and it was like, it's, it was like in this bubble of like, whatever. And then 12, 13, like I said before, they start, it was like, that's it. They were off to the races. You want to give me that very first game against Miami when they blew out the defending champion heat. All right. But can like the first game of a season be that huge. And in terms of playoff wins, like they went up three Oh on the Celtics and then they, dragged themselves across the finish line in that series. They, in the Pacers series, like you want to give me like game two of the Pacers? Like, I don't know. I, 
I'm just I there's no ob- is there an obvious one that I'm missing because I think it was arguably the biggest win of the the century. I kind of lumped this one in with the Grizzlies game. That's fair. In That's the sense fair. of where it's like, oh, this this great comeback. The wheels were falling off on the previous in the with the Grizzlies game. Right. Yeah. And it's almost I mean, if we're it's so tough to pick one, but if we are considering this season as having, let's at least say the best game of the year, I, I have to think it was this past Friday against the Mavericks. Just based on the circumstances, the narrative, everything with Porzingis, you've got a Mavericks team that I want to say was 21 and 10 in their last 31 games. Doing sixth great in stuff. Net, sixth in net rating since the All Star break, and if, yeah. if, if, if actually, I think if you probably, I'll look it up right now. Keep talking. Since they started off, was eight and I want to say it was eight and fourteen. Um, mm-hmm. They've been one of the best teams in the league. But I'll, I'll look it up right now. Keep going. Yeah, and so then having that ability to go into that building, uh, you're without Alec Burks, who is a huge part of what you do. I think also the Pelicans. You know, they're not a good team, so the fact of of beating them beforehand in New Orleans versus Dallas came into New York. The game was there for the taking. Randall played like crap. Um, the supporting talent around him just wasn't there. And the game slipped away. And and the fourth quarter was, I think the Knicks scored six points in the first six minutes of the game, something along those lines. So <laughs> really, really just tough stuff. And it, it made for a great redemption game, in my opinion. And, and being able to do that, stick it out towards the end, having that kind of, not so much commanding, but affirming lead in the fourth quarter, and then just just slowly but surely making it more and more fascinating. Uh, you also have the previous game. You know, Luca had made that incredible floater for three, which is one of the greatest shots I've seen in a long time. Oh my god, I watched um, that fucking shot live. Yeah, but you know the the ability as well to to force Luca to to take control and he mm-hmm. wasn't able to do that. I mean, he, he put up incredible numbers. Um, I think at one point he had like 17 points and 16 assists, but there's something about with, with getting young stars, especially uh, in the West, because, you know, I mean, the East is it's good talent, but it's not nearly as good as what the West has and being able yes. to beat them where they're comfortable. That really resonates for me. So was, I, I mean, listen, I'll take all of these games the today, <laughs> Friday, all the games on the winning streak, the Grizzlies game, I'll take them all. Um, but there's something, there's something kind of magical about Friday from a revenge standpoint. And today was a little bit more magical in the sense of like, wow. So this team continues to fight back. And even though against all those good teams that they lost by, you know, a few points, think about the ability to both stay net in games, it. both net games, the Sixers game. It's just, yeah. And they, and they didn't let go of the rope. When's the last time this this team let go of the rope in a game? I guess it's the Milwaukee game to come out of the break, right? I don't think there's been, I don't think there's been think one so. since then, right? Um, nothing that immediately comes to, unless you know the Dallas game, the first one. In, yeah, in but MSG. you know what? Their, their offense took a took a dump on in that first Dallas game, but they were yes. But I don't know still, that it was yeah, right there. It was right there, and it was like, no, we're just gonna let you have it, Dallas. And that just got to double I, digits. And I think there was, was a, like a three point game in the beginning of the fourth quarter. So like, what, whatever. But that's, um, yeah, good call though. Um, by the way, the Mavericks uh, eighth in net rating in the over the last two months uh, at plus five point oh, tied actually with the Bucks, who I guess are a smidgen above them because they're ranked seventh. Clippers sixth, five point three. Nets. Uh, fifth, five point five. So they're like right in that group of the like the five, six, seven, eight range. They beat a good team on the road, and um, all the credit in the world. So that's a good transition to moving forward, um, and what's coming up. And I think 
it's tough to talk about what's coming up without really just appreciating what they've just done. Cause in the, with the, with the win streak now, I, I don't want to say the, the priorities of the season have changed, but there's something has changed. Right. And as we look forward and we think about what is at stake and what is realistic and what is possible and what, is fair to expect maybe is that the way to put it um i like how does all that not shift over the last 10 days it feels like it has to so as we're looking at the week ahead when they are playing again all three games are at home charlotte atlanta and toronto like charlotte is a team missing its two best players or at least its most two two most impactful players this season in in ball and and hayward then atlanta has been playing extraordinarily well for about a month and a half now, they, they, I want to say they're now 17 and five in their last 22 games, I think, because they beat the Pacers. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday. They beat them earlier today, um, you know, and they've been banged up and they're still a little banged up, but they do have Trey Young. So I, you know, I, is the, I, can you, do you call the Atlanta game a must win game? I don't think so, especially since the Knicks already have the tiebreaker. And then there's Toronto who is still in the play in race. Thanks to the bulls, just not really looking like an NBA team for most of the last um, month. Um, decade, but <laughs> pop, pop calling. Kind of we'll black. call five, 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 six years. Decade. Yeah, it's sure. a while. Um, you know, and I, you always fear Toronto. I always fear Toronto at least, and we'll, we'll see. You know who plays in that game because they're resting a lot of guys. But like, I, I don't. What's your? What is your? I'm going to ask you two different questions. What is your expectation for, I guess, if you want to do the next three games, um, I guess we'll do our, our, our predictions a little early. Um, but if you want to lump in the two that come after that, because the two that come after that, because it's, I feel like this, this homestand is kind of one, you know, holistic thing. The two that come after the Toronto game are Phoenix at home and Chicago at home. Like what's your expectation and what do you think is like reasonable for like, the consensus expectation for, for the, for the, for the team as we move forward. Sky's the limit, baby. I mean, <laughs> well, think about it. Cause at least we went into the season. I'm pretty sure you said you thought 25 wins was going to be around where they were. And I think I said 24 or 26. I think I predicted 20. I'm, I'm, I'm saying I predicted 28. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Fair enough. Um, you know, 25, 28. Yo, wait, I, have it, I, I have it right here. You said for 82 games, your prediction was 32 wins. Right. But we're doing 72. So, so, but this is, that was your prediction for 82. So if we, if we, um, I thought I had less, but I'll, I'll take it. Maybe you changed it after like, I don't think it it would have been worse from, for my behalf. So I'll stick with yours because it makes me look much more (laughs) astute. So I'll take it. (laughs) Um, yeah, again, like I think that if this week had gone worse, it would have been all right. Well, at this point, like it's going to be a play in tournament. We know they're not going to fall further than about 10th. So that's what we're dealing with. Yeah. And that's fine. Just stay healthy. And now, I mean, we're looking at, I think, a half a game out, right? From fifth place. So, right right now, um, they are uh, Atlanta, as we said, they're in fourth. They're eight and a half games back, um, tied with Boston. So, both Atlanta and Boston are eight and a half games back. Um, a first Boston um, does not uh, play today. Um, they do, however, uh, play tomorrow against Chicago. So interesting game there. And then um, the Knicks are nine back. So a half game back of both Atlanta and Boston. And currently two full games up above the um, Miami Heat. You're defending Eastern Conference champions um, who also do not play today. 
the Heat. They're playing right now. Oh, they are playing right now. Sorry, playing the I, 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 they were all the way at the top of my front of my scoreboard. Sorry about that. Heater, yeah. So Heat currently have a two point lead over the Nets after three quarters. I, I'm, I'm looking at it KD, right now. So we'll, we'll maybe. I don't think that game's going to finish by the time we stop recording. But so it's either going to be a game and a half lead over Miami or a two and a half game lead over Miami. Yeah. Wow. What a world. And we've talked about this scary six game road trip for a while now. And if you can capitalize on the five home games, right? One, two, three, four, five home games. Five more. Five more. That you have here. Even if you, I mean, if you have a winning record in them, then things are going to bode well for you. I would have signed for four and two. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of, wait, for the next for, five? For, no, for, sorry. I would have signed if bef- before today, oh, before yes. the Pelicans game, coming off of the Dallas win in Dallas and the Pelicans win in New Orleans, I would have signed happily for four and two on the homestand. I will still sign, I think, I think this is what I was getting at with you. I think I'll still sign for four and two on the homestand. But part of me is like, why can't we fuck around and go five and one? Like, why, like six and oh, no. let's do that. You know, <laughs> let's, let's beat Phoenix. Let's beat the yeah. best team in the league over the last two and a half months. Sure. Why not? So, yeah. Yeah, that's I guess that's where I'm at, where it's kind of just like at this point, just just keep winning, just keep focusing on the winning, because the ability to get into even that top six where you can. But this is also where I'm grappling, right? Because I feel like if you can't get to four or five and it's definitely possible, don't get me wrong, but it is if four or five can't be um, where you wind up in some ways, six is not the place I want to be, because the team that worries me the most in the playoffs is actually the Bucks. Are in you serious? Of, in terms to it, to I actually think so. Yeah, because they were. I I understand the first game and and the second game, or the first and the third games. You know, the first seemed like an anomaly. I, third game was without their best stars, and it just it's hard looking at that second game. It's hard not to see that as a season team just steamrolling whoever they face. Be it you know, whichever team that will be. That's what concerns me more. Whereas I, even if it's, even if it's wrong, just in my heart, how I feel about it in terms no, of the, I these teams. And I know regular season and the postseason, they're, they're different beasts. Yeah. But, <laughs> Especially with that team. and that Right. Um, but it's just, uh, I, I guess the, the main thing here is looking at how the Knicks have done. I'm not really, I'm not scared of anyone. I, I may feel more or less confident versus one opponent or another, but there's not really a team in the conference where I feel like I'm absolutely terrified of playing them because I think they will obliterate the Knicks. I think they could still beat the Knicks four or five games. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like the Knicks would have a puncher's chance in them, but there's something about the bucks where I See, just, I don't feel that way. Against I feel Philly. less confident. Not saying I have no confidence. It's just, it's less. I don't feel that way against Philly. I don't think, I don't think the Knicks could, if, if Philly's fully healthy and Embiid is, is specifically Embiid. Because Embiid is, he was going to be the MVP before he got hurt. Now he's not going to be. It's going to be Jokic. But like that dude is playing at, at an MVP level. Mind. Yeah, yeah. He's it's, playing, it's more. Yeah. It's the offense. The offense isn't really flowing for Philadelphia. The defense isn't flowing for Brooklyn, and Milwaukee. I think is top ten in offensive and defensive. They defense. are, but they're. I I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm coming off watching them. Um, in the in the category of things Jonathan does when he should be sleeping, um, I was watching them last night. Um, come up, apps. Oh, against the speak of the devil, the Grizzlies. Like they didn't show up 
against the Grizzlies last. And again, but that's not an anomaly. Like there have been a lot of games this year where the Bucks just like, and I'm not talking about the games where they're sitting one of their stars. And by the way, against the Grizzlies, they had all of their, their guys, but like they are aside from those top three guys who, and I, I, I trust Middleton a lot. I think Middleton's really good. But, like, if you could figure out a way to fluster Giannis, and I understand that's a big, massive <laughs> if, um, I, th- th- I'm sorry, that team doesn't scare me nearly as much as Philly or nearly as much as, excuse me, a fully healthy Brooklyn team, which, again, um, I could look out the window and, and Bigfoot could walk by my house right now. That's possible, just like it is possible we will get a fully healthy Brooklyn team this year. Who knows? Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, I don't fear the bucks as much as you. So I, I, the point is I would very much like to have the six seed. <laughs> um, and if we could get to four or five though, that would be cool too. But I actually might fear Boston more than, more than, uh, Milwaukee. Let's do a progress report. Cause, um, I think, um, there are some, some good players to, to, briefly talk about here and then we'll do um, some discussion topics and then we'll, we'll get to predictions. So progress report. Um, I don't know that there's a ton to say about the young players from this week. I think RJ Barrett had um, some, obviously some very, very nice moments uh, specifically in the Dallas game in the fourth quarter. Um, I, he did not have his best game today. He did have 18 points on like decent efficiency, but he was tossing the ball all over the place. He struggled on defense, especially coming out in the third quarter against Eric Bledsoe. Um, and, but I think, you know, the ship kind of, the train keeps moving along with RJ Barrett. Um, what any specific thoughts on RJ from the week that we just saw? Positive. Yeah. Positive. positive. Yeah. You know, I mean, today seemed not as encouraging. It seemed it was almost the opposite of what he usually does, which is where it feels like he builds and becomes more effective as the game goes on. And yeah. it was kind of the opposite today. So, uh, you know, fouled out, certainly unfortunate. Yet it seemed like in a lot of ways, the Knicks didn't really skip a beat towards, you know, especially down the stretch once quickly came in. But I would have loved to have seen RJ in there for sure. But, you know, that's just that. He's still a young player. He's still going to have games that look great. And he's going to have games that are just like, we can forget about this. And especially considering the last time the Knicks and the Pelicans played, that was certainly a game for RJ to forget. It was nice to see him rise to the occasion even a bit more this time against uh, his old buddy Zion. Yeah. um, I, you know, and the nice thing is he's important to this team and we're going to actually get to how important he's on this team in a bit. But like when he went out, that's, I guess that's the thing. When he went out with the foul trouble, I wasn't, and this is a good transition to talk about Emmanuel quickly. Quickly's in there. I like, I have all, I, I have still have, I know he struggled of late. I have all the confidence in the world in Emmanuel quickly. And I know he missed a floater that could have been the game um, with whatever it was under 20 seconds left. I think uh, might've been even a lot less than that. I, I maybe it was, yeah, it was under 20 seconds left. Um, but you love to see him in the in the game in those situations. You love to see Tibbs trusting him in this game um, down the stretch, as he should have, because I think that's the nice thing about having Emmanuel quickly is he is a rookie that you can put in big situations. Is he's going to be a you know a, a, a slight liability on defense here or there, maybe. But I thought he held his own, um, and I thought he gave them twenty two really good minutes today, even though he was only one for five. Because hey. 
got to the free throw line, ended up with eight points. Um, and I don't necessarily think his plus 24 in 22 minutes was a complete misnomer. So good game from quickly. And I think overall struggles of late from quickly, but I'm not worried about him either. It didn't even feel like he had played 22 minutes until you mentioned it. No, there's something about it where it's just like, Oh, he's, I guess he's, he's kind of just there. Um, but yeah. yes, and I, I don't mean that in a negative sense. Just well, the it, Im- his impact is muted when he's not scoring. Right. Let's just call it like it is. Exactly. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, as you said, the misfloater was unfortunate, but the Knicks were able to create opportunities because he was in the game to begin with. So that was positive. Uh, again, it feels so weird when he misses free throws, but he hit the next one and then I believe he went to the line afterwards and hit that too. So it worked out. His ability to just create opportunities, as I mentioned, that is what's so key about him and why just taking Elf out and putting him in down the stretch was the clear-cut difference between a disappointing loss. And and honestly, you know, I would have, because you mentioned like how we would have felt if the Knicks had lost this game against the Pelicans. I was really mad at the idea of, you know, even with five-game winning streak beforehand and seeing it snapped, just just anger at the referees for oh, basically yeah. calling two times as many fouls on the Pelicans as the Knicks. And I Listen. get it. The Pelicans are third in free throw rate. The fact that they are, they do so well in the paint and with offensive rebounds, it's going to lead to contact and they're going to get to the line. I understand. Adams all is a fucking that. beast. Yeah, he is. He is. And this is also the two things that came in my, that came to mind were number one, not having Mitch. That was a huge factor in terms of the boxing out. The, the defensive boards, I knew towards the end, uh, even uh, Ryan Rocco, I was watching ESPN to see what kind of coverage the Knicks were getting. I didn't uh, know the game was on MSG until overtime. Delora was yeah. like, people are saying on Twitter that the game's on MSG. I'm like, no, it's not. And then, of course, I changed the channel and it's on MSG. I felt like such an idiot. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I mean, he had uh, one great box out towards the end that Ryan Rocco even talked about. Uh, and that, that definitely caught my eye as well. Um, but not having Mitch there, I think, plays a huge part in how you defend the paint and how you collect your rebounds, boxing out, uh, but also not having Burks. Uh, that, that seemed to be a huge factor at some point, not having him in that lineup towards the end where instead you are maybe putting an elf at all, or maybe you're putting him quickly. Burks cooks during that time historically. So at least this season, yeah. um, but you know, I mean, that, that's all of those things where, where why I was going to be so mad on this pod and like, yeah, the five games are great. Love those wins, but this one got away. This felt like a I'm, trap game, and we don't have to say any of that shit because they I mean, won. Don't say any of that. I'm they happy won, I don't so. get mad, Jeremy. I don't like mad, Jeremy. Um, I don't think we need to say anything about Ob. He's whatever. Ob had another week in a rookie season that he's probably going to want to forget. Um, Kevin Knox and Frank Nilakina got some time today. They also got some time earlier this week. Nice to see them um, making an appearance. Uh, I think Frank's minutes were a little better than Kevin Knox's, but I don't think. Do we need to talk about them? Um, let's let's talk about Kevin uh, or uh, Nerlens Noel, specifically in the context of how valuable he is. Um, and then we'll finish up. Uh, we'll touch on Julius Randle, All NBA, real quick, and then we'll um, and then we will uh, we will finish up. So it looked like for a brief minute there, Nerlens Noel was going to go down for the count. He was holding his hand in pain after he tried to block a shot. Went out, came back in the same game, had for the second game in a row, just absolutely as big a block as you could imagine a player having at the rim. Uh, the one on Friday was against Dorian Finney Smith. This one was on Brandon Ingram. It just like you can watch a whole se- you watch a whole season worth of games and never see a block nearly as good as either of the ones he had in the last two games. Um, and it got me thinking, how valuable is he on this team right now? If I had to rank the top five most valuable Knicks, where would he 
rank or would he hit in the top five? So I'm going to do this first and then I'll turn to you. I'm doing this off the cuff. I am making this up as I go along, but I am making it up as from an informed opinion because I have watched Nick basketball this year. Um, all right. Julius Randle, number one. No disagreement there, right? Zero. Okay. After this, we're going to have some. So, well, I mean, I feel like Norvell Pell has an argument, but I don't know if it's a concrete one. I'm doing this list, by the way, of how I feel from right now, like starting today, moving forward. Like, who are the most important Knicks moving forward starting today? Well, as opposed to how the season has gone? Because we can't predict the future. Well, I know we can't predict right. the future. So, so but how it's can like, we say that they're indispensable in the future when we don't know what the future is? I'm just, I'm going on, I'm not being like, I'm, for instance, I'm not like, it's about how I feel about how indispensable the player is right now. I'm obviously taking into account everything they've done, but the reason, okay, here's why I'm going back and forth on this. Cause I think if it, you would have asked me at one point, is Emmanuel quickly the second most important player on this team? I would have said, yes, he has struggled of late. I think maybe he's hit the rookie wall a little bit and I don't know that I could, we could depend on him as much as we did earlier in the year. So I don't know that Emmanuel quickly is going to be second on my list right now. That's what I mean. That's yeah. I guess I was thinking more in the lines of like, based on what we've seen, Yes, as of now. Of course it's based right. on what, yeah, okay, all right. Um should I should I start some shit? Uh Go for it. No. Do it. Do it. No, 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 no. You know why? Because here's the thing. Um his three-point shooting has become their most dangerous weapon. So RJ Barrett is second. I was thinking about putting Rose above RJ. That's my that was my conflict. Because I think so little of Alfred Payton in big spots. And I think so highly of Rose in big spots, as we saw today. And I think they're going to need to Rose to play 25 to 30 minutes of like really good basketball for them to have a chance to win games against good teams. So that's why I was like, th- like, this is not a shade on RJ, but like, as we saw today, they have guys you could put in there to play the wing. They can't do all the things that RJ could do, but Reggie Bullock can do some things like hit big threes. Alec Burks can do some things. Emmanuel quickly could do some things. Frank Nilakina could do some things. They don't have a lot of point guards. That's so, okay. Um, RJ second, Rose third. I'm mm. man. We're boring, by the way, because I also agree that RJ has to go second. And, and then, then and then Rose has to be third just based on how he has transformed. Not, not you know, staggeringly so, but just increased the ability of this offense since coming here in the first place. Um, the, the fact that there is not really a consistent full-time lead guard, so what he's been able to do, especially in first halves this year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, today was the perfect example of and even the Dallas game, just the ability to get out and, and build a lead in the second quarter. Now it's on the team to hold that lead, which yeah. in both games didn't really happen. So no. something's got to be, you know, Knicks have to come out of the gate a little bit more. Um, but, you know, that, that sort of thing where I, I do agree. I think you get RJ second, you get Rose third. We're, we're equal there. I have five names I'm considering for the last two spots. Well, can I put, can I go first then? Go for mine it. forward. All right. So I think the fourth person I'm going to say um it probably has to be Alec Burks. He's one of the five names I'm considering. Yeah. Um, I, I think just the ability of how he's able to score, especially in important moments. Uh, and, and I also uh, shout out to uh, Terry of Terry and Trey. I cannot 
think uh, Alec Burks the same way after he tweeted how Burks is like a superstar that was baked for 73% and then let out after that. And it's, it's just so perfect, Harry. It's now wonderful. I want, now I want cookies. Oh yeah. Um, <clears throat> so having, having someone like that, who's able to take over when things matter, you know, the fact that Tibbs has him or had him even running spot minutes at the point, that just shows the glaring hole that is there and the ability for the Knicks to cover that by playing Burks. And hopefully they don't have to, you know, worry about that next year because there is a, an upgrade at the point. But yeah, we're talking about right now, though. But right now he is he has helped mask the what I think is the biggest uh, deterrent or at least the, the biggest detriment for this team uh, in their in their uh, on ball creation. And, and that's key. So he's got to be fourth for me. This is this is bad podcasting because I'm I'm going to agree with you, and I'm going to put Burks fourth as well. You made a good case, and it's a strong case. And so now for the fifth spot, uh, it's it's Bullock quickly Taj or Noel. And I know, I know I brought up this this topic because of Noel, but I actually think Noel and Taj kind of cancel each other out. For this spot, because if we lost one of them, we would have the other one available to play like 30 minutes. And so really, it's a question of like, how am I going to survive the other 18 minutes? And I feel like we could survive the other 18 minutes between Norvell Pell and Julius Randle playing some center. Um, so all due respect to Nolan Zawal, love the blocks. Love you. Thank you for making me think of this topic. You're not getting on my list. Taj the all-time goat not getting on my list. So then it comes down to Reggie Bullock and Emmanuel quickly for me. And man, I can't believe I'm doing this. Cause again, I would have put quickly second on this list at one point this year, I'm putting Bullock uh, fifth in my fifth spot because of the defense and because of the reliability to hit three point shots um, and the two man game with Randall. So uh, Reggie's my number five. I'm going to disagree with you on this one. If, if not for go. the sake it's of disagreement in general, uh, because us going down the list one through five with the same list would be boring. Um, I am Andrew put, seething in the background. <laughs> I am going to put Noel fifth. Um, and again, you know, I mean, Mitch was doing a great job. I know offensively speaking, it wasn't maybe the leap that a lot of people were, were looking for him to take, but the ability to have a, um, a defensive backbone and someone to really anchor the rim and show no fear whatsoever going up for blocks um, consistently. I mean, look, his, his hands are, are atrocious on offense. I think we know this. And when he went down and was holding his hand, I was thinking like, all right, I mean, he's just going to swat shit anyway. It's like, it's not like he, he needs a like, hand on offense. He can be like what, like um, a quarterback in football or like an offensive lineman or whatever. He, he could be get, Jason like, Pierre Paul after a fireworks injury. Just, just Billy clubbing his way. With literally his just don't need that. Right. It's, you know, just go up with it. Just punch the ball, whatever you got to do. Um, oh my God, we're terrible people. But no, you know, just, uh, and um, Jonathan Wasserman had a great article on Noel yes, recently for Bleacher Report, just pointing out how good he has been. So I think that if I didn't include some sort of uh, center, I guess, just in so many ways, I agree that it's kind of a next man up philosophy. So the idea of maybe he's not as um, integral to what's going on, I could understand that, but what would happen if there were no, no Nerlens Noel, you would have Taj. And yes, yeah. I know what you're saying in terms of like, you get Julius and, and Pell do spot minutes, but I don't know if you could really get Norvell Pell to play significant minutes for oh, as long as we have. That's going to get you canceled. That's that. Uh, you know what? I'm willing to take it. And I hate myself for saying it, but I had to say it. It's uh, cancelable. 
That's fair. Uh, Taj, I mean, again, he has been so productive, but yeah. I don't know if it w- how he would be in a starter's role uh, consistently as we well, go on for, for, you know, weeks on end. That, well, I know, I know how he would be in a closer's role because we've seen him close games. Sure, but, but how do you even get to the point where you're closing well if you don't have someone to hold down the fort I, I, for the I, other I, minutes? Look, I'm not trying to disparage Nerlens well. The only The last thing I will say is if we had played this game – I don't know what remember when Mitch was healthy, but when Mitch was healthy, we before he got hurt the first time, we would have we Mitch would have made both of our lists handily, and sure. In retrospect, I don't know that that would have been correct. Um, the other funny part is, I mean, some of the conversation back in preseason, which was admittedly still kind of ridiculous, was the idea of is Mitch going to start? When are our conversations not ridiculous? Sure, but I mean, the, the general discourse was like, is Mitch going to start over Noel? Yeah, That sort of idea, and it yes, quickly was, I, I, yes. no, Mitch is the better player, and yeah. he should be getting the starter's minutes. But, you know, with Mitch going down with a freak injury where he hits his hand on Julius's head, and then him coming back and just getting injured, and I think that like a fifth of the league is still hurt, so... Clearly, there's a problem going on with the NBA in terms of these the player and player health, and it really sucks because you want to see the best talent out there. But well, just the look at the that, MVP race. The MVP race yeah. is in shambles because of health situation. Basically. Yeah, and and also, I mean, speaking of that, this past week with the conversation and taking it away from Jokic, Jokic deserves to be MVP. Yeah, he, he does. Is, oh he no, is, I'm I'm not. No, arguing. I'm not saying it's yeah. otherwise. Yeah. It just other people brought this up, and to me, it was ridiculous because it's a stupid argument. A big factor is being healthy, and if you're not healthy, then you're not playing. And if you're not playing, then that should take away from your achievements because it's it's a marathon, not a sprint. So if yes. you're sprinting highly, then you should be able to carry that on through the whole race. Yeah. But you know that sort of thing, and and Noel has been to kind of bring it all home. Noel has been that marathon guy. He has been a marathon so man, you might say. Marathon man, perfect. I love it. A movie I've never seen. Um, I don't know if uh, if Andrew was uh, is is ashamed of me for that. Have you seen he, Marathon Man? He hasn't man? seen it either. So he hasn't. Huh? Have you seen Marathon? I have not. Okay, it's a it's a Dustin Hoffman picture, if I recall. Um, d- different than the Running Man. The Running Man's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Marathon and different Man's than Blade Runner as well, which is a very different movie. <laughs> We've I don't, see at least we we're waited not off to the rails go yet. off, we're the, not rails. off the rails. No, no, no. Well, no, okay, no. Uh, um, we're Blade Running in the direction that we have to. What is Blade Running? I don't know. <laughs> um, okay. Speaking of the MVP race and um, guys staying healthy and that factoring in and all of the things, um, uh, Julius Randle's not going to win the MVP this year. He he shouldn't win the MVP this year. Um, wow. Wow. I got canceled for Norville Pell, and you just said Julius Randle shouldn't win the MVP this year. I know, I know. Obi Toppin apparently thinks he should. I don't know if you watched that hype video. That the yeah, there you I, go. I wanted I to run it. through a wall after that. I oh, wanted yeah. to marathon man my way through a wall. There you go, exactly. Play um, run through a wall. The I think what there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Took me a second, but I got there. I'm a blade scaler. We scaled yeah. on. How about a blade fast walker? Blade jogger. You know. Now we're off the rails. Now we're done. Now we're off the rails. Now Thank you, Andrew. Rails. Okay. Thank you. Andrew. Um, what I was going to say, what I was going to say before is the fact that we, I think, can have the conversation that we just had about the five most indispensable and it would have been this in preseason and X and two weeks in and a different thing a month later is a testament to just how good Julius Randall has been and how important he's been. 
and how everything this team does uh, centers around him. And that really he's the only indispensable player on this team when it, when push comes to shove and to the topic you just brought up in terms of health, I'm going to lean on a tweet that um, I had uh, from before the game. So this number has gone up because he played 40, seven fucking minutes today um, going into this game. Randall was first in the league in minutes, uh, 2083. Um, and the, I'm assuming Giannis LeBron and Kawhi are, are going to get all NBA spots because I don't think we need to talk about why they're going to get all NBA spots. They're going to get all NBA spots. Um, here is Randall in comparison to his competitors for all NBA spots at forward. And again, remember there are six of these. So if we take out Giannis LeBron and Kawhi, there's three left. Jason Tatum, 12th in the league in minutes at 1,816. Zion Williamson, 39th in the NBA in minutes, 1,677. Paul George, 81st in the NBA in minutes, 1,450. So uh, trails um, Julius Randle by more than 600 minutes. And finally, Jimmy Butler, um, who the advanced stats love. He's, I think, 6th in VORP. I think he's he's up there in Winshade. So he's, he's very, very high in all the advanced stats. 106th in minutes coming into today, 1,383, exactly 800 minutes behind Julius Randle. I don't know how you are supposed to have an All-NBA conversation and not factor into the fact that the most important player for the most surprising team never fucking gets off the court and doesn't miss games. So I don't know who it's going to be over. But if I'm sitting here right now and saying, should Julius Randle make an All-NBA team? Yes, Julius Randle should make an All-NBA team. And I'm not, I actually am I'm starting to get to the place to think where it's not even a conversation. He needs to be in there. So there you go. Yeah. You know, listen, I think that if you miss 30% of your season, you probably shouldn't be considered for an All-NBA spot. That's, that's just my philosophy. I think, yes, I can understand the heavy minutes. I can understand an incredible impact. And this is how I feel in terms of LeBron James. And I understand, obviously, that he is the greatest player on the planet, arguably. Um, you know, maybe maybe less so than a couple of years ago, but still top 10. Luke point, is coming. Luke exactly. is coming. But the point is, even if he, he's played 41 games so far, even if he gets nine under his belt before the end of the season, I'm sorry, but I just don't understand how especially when the Lakers are able to do what they are doing without him. And they're doing a Wait, fantastic job. So you think Randall job. potentially should get a spot over LeBron? I mean, when you say it like that, it sounds uh, blasphemous, obviously. No, I don't. But, but the listen, idea of it, you I, have I'm, to play. And if you're I'm, not playing significant minutes, significant games, and your team is able to kind of like chug along, then I think that that should be considered. That should be a factor in some degree. Well, they haven't um, fallen out of it, the Lakers. They're, they're seven, they've won now seven games without him. They play tomorrow against Utah. Uh, or today, as you're listening to this. Right. So, yeah. But, but um, that's what I'm saying. It's that the team itself is is very good. I mean, they're they're I, incre- they're elite with him and yes. with Anthony Davis. But they've managed without him. And I'm not saying that they could do anything in the playoffs without those two stars. Obviously, they course. couldn't. But if we are basing a regular season award on the regular season, and you look at a player like Julius Randle who has missed one, one game. game due to a contusion in his thigh and the other games that his own fucking team. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, it seems that all the worst injuries by the Knicks are, are um, friendly fire, unfortunately, but yes, nonetheless um, having Julius Randall play those games and even the games after he was hurt and he yes. looked to be a bit sluggish as a result. 
it's like, all right, well, what is better for Randall's case? The fact that he played in all these games except for one so far, or the fact that he, you know, was a marathon man and, and that was not intentional, but I'll take it um, able to hurt his, you know, even though his play suffered and he's playing or should he have just sat out? Because if we're talking about not playing games, he still helped them. Period. He's never not helped this team when he's been on the court this year. Exactly. Well, I'm saying individually from an individual standpoint, there were a couple games after that. Uh, yeah, He struggled, where, but I think he, he was, they were still even the Dallas game where he went, what was he five for 20? Like I would argue that he was a more helpful force on the court than a not helpful force. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And so not having him there, in my opinion, would be far more problematic. And the fact that he's able to show up in these games, and even if they're not as stellar of a performance, it, you know, ability is the most important or availability is the most important ability. And yeah. so, you know, like it's, it, and this isn't just me taking a shot at LeBron, any other player that is going to miss significant time, their contributions have to be, in my opinion, impactful and also from a greater duration, like LaMelo ball, I think will have also played 41 minutes or 41 games this year. Is that a different philosophy? I mean, he was the, he was the clear rookie of the year front runner, yeah. but now you compare him to someone like Tyrese Halliburton, who it, what, did not have a better season, but at least had a longer season. That was very good. Yeah. How do we consider that? Or I, Anthony Edwards, who was really bad for the first two months, Got his act together, is doing a fantastic job now, was recently named as the rookie of the month. For a team that has absolutely no consequences to any game they play. Right. And that's the other thing. Rookie of the year awards don't matter in terms of how the teams do. They just look at the best individual rookie. Well, I mean, when you look at how, I mean, less than all NBA, but I think it. it Michael Carter Williams won. Yeah, it's true. Rookie of the year, and he peaked in his first game of his career. Yeah, but he was so he was helpful. You're right. You're absolutely you're 100% right. I was wrong on that. He was helpful to his team when he was out there for most of this year up until the last month or so. Anthony Edwards was like really hurting his team when he was out there. And over the last month, you could make the argument that he's being helpful. Right. I, I, that was more what I should have focused on, but you're, you're 100% right. Yeah. So uh, when you, when you consider all that, it, it, and we saw Zion today, right? We saw how dynamic he can be as a player. And, yeah. and we, I can't tell you how many times I have heard the like, oh, he's the second player to have 25 yeah. plus points per game and 60% since Kevin McHale. I mean, I guess two it. players have gone head to head now twice. And Julius Randle is the better. It's clear if you watch the games that it, it, maybe it is a small margin, but it's not disputable. Julius Randle is the yeah. better player of the two this year. And, right. And I mean, let's face it. A lot of this is also uh, potentials baked into it. Of course. Um, you have the largest market, arguably, in the NBA versus the smallest market in the NBA. And yet we have something where it's just it's staggering in terms of necessarily how it's covered. Or, um, you know, I mean, we, we've had this conversation in the Strickland Slack channel before in terms of like, do does the media hate the Knicks or are they just covering them because they've been bad? And so they've been reflecting that as such. And I think it is somewhere in the middle for sure. But this idea of where after Friday's game, it was Luca Magic, not Julius Randle Magic. It was Luca Magic, and yeah. and look, I'm okay with that. It's more just the factor of we love young stars because of the potential. Yes, and yet we as like this this sounds like very, young and young in air quotes uh, because Julius Randle's 26 years old, which isn't old. So, right, and yeah. I, I know this is going to sound a little ridiculous. Um, and then like faux patriotic, but it's like, this is the country of second chances. So like if Julius Randall can't have a second chance to, to resurrect his career to the point where he is a legitimately top 20 NBA player, and, and hopefully that carries over 
into the next season, we can, you know, like if we can see his peak increase while he's entering his prime, that says something, but it's like, you're telling me that, that with all this being considered, it's like, yeah, he's, he had a good enough season, but it's not there because we talk about how, you know, there was a conversation of, well, Julius shouldn't be in the all-star game. Julius shouldn't be considered for the most improved player award because he's not young enough to get that award. No, he and shouldn't that was, be an all NBA player because yeah. there are players who are better than him, even though they're not playing games. All of it is bullshit to me. That's the thing. It's like, again, and like, you know, you don't want to see me mad, but this is something no, I, I'm lo- mad I about. love it. I love this. Because, I like. because again, like I, we, so many of us were eager to kick him to the curb last year and yeah. he transformed his entire game. He used this opportunity. He used nine months to get in shape, recreate who he was and turn into a player that we saw only glimmers of. We don't call him Beyblade anymore because he's smart enough to kick it out and to look for, he draws the double team and likes to pass it out and reaps the benefits from the assists because sharing is caring. And when both of you can contribute, that's nicer than just you contributing. So with all of that being said, it, I know he's, most likely not going to be all NBA. And, and I know some people are worried about the contract situation in terms it's of what the, happens, it, yeah. but it doesn't matter because no. Julius Randle was not acquired by the Knicks within his rookie contract and he wasn't drafted by the Knicks. So he's not going to get a 35% max. The nope. most he would get is a 30% max anyway. Which is still a, little, a lot of money. <laughs> of course, it absolutely is. But yeah. with all of that being said, it's just, I, I feel for Julius because at points, like I don't know what more he can really do unless there's like another legitimate bona fide star who is better than him on the team that brings in all of this excitement. it's like, Oh, well, you know, the Knicks have, you know, this great play. Like let's say just because he's a free agent, Kawhi, right? If the Knicks survive the odds of 99.9% of luring him away from his hometown area and getting him, then you're going to see like, Oh, Julius Randle is much more respected because he's playing with Kawhi Leonard and RJ Barrett is a beast and he's going to be blossoming. And instead it's just like the Knicks have done a nice job. That's great. It's really awesome. And I'm glad he's doing well, but I mean, come on, look at these other players. So he'll get his time, but, but it's not right now. And I just think that's bullshit. Um, Well, very, very well said. Um, two quick things. One, I want to make very clear. I, the reason I put LeBron Giannis and um, Kawhi, uh, in that because they're going to get voted in, not necessarily that I would agree with that. I think there is a very legitimate conversation that could take place because LeBron's going to miss potentially close to 30 games this season. That's one. Number two, the thing that you're talking about and you uh, very eloquently phrased it in terms of like this kind of like just because like, well, clearly Julius Randle's not as good as a player as this player. Like that needs to come up with the all NBA conversation with Paul George. Because I've kind of been operating under the assumption all season, well, the Clippers are a top four seed. Paul George is on the team. Paul George is putting up these numbers. He's just go- he's going to get a spot. And at this point, it's like, well, we'll know because like Julius Randle, what he, what he's actually producing and what he means to this team. And let's just call it like it is. If Obi Toppin, if Julius Randle was traded for some pick in the preseason, and Obi Toppin was getting Julius Randle's minutes, and he was being backed up by Kevin Knox, this is. Are they the worst team in the league? Are they the third worst team in the league? Are they the fifth worst team in the league? They are one of the worst teams in the league. I don't, I personally don't think there's any dispute about that. I may get some pushback from people who are like, no, RJ Barrett would pick up the slacks and go, you know, my new quick. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, and this and that. I don't see it. Tibbs says it after every game and before every game. Randall is our engine. He's our engine. Everything we do revolves around him. And he's not wrong. So um, he's, he's not rolling. a sidekick. He's not a sidekick like no. Paul George is. That's no. the other thing. And then, yeah. and of course, that's the other argument where if you do get Kawhi, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, he's impressive, but you got Kawhi. Kawhi is your engine now. So Julius yeah. does a great job, yeah. but he's he's a second he's a second banana. But no, <laughs> no, completely agree. Um, okay. Prediction and then producer corner and then we'll get out of here. Um, we because we talked about the, uh, the the record and and where the where this team is going in terms of like expectations and all that. So cover that. Um, okay, um, who goes first? You do. For both, I go first. Oh yes, of course I go first because mm-hmm. I'm the I, I'm the optimist. Okay, so um, I'm going to take the easy way out again. We said it before, but we'll say it again. Three home games: Charlotte, Atlanta, Toronto. I am taking the easy way out and I'm going two and one. All right. I'm uh, going to go three and oh, which means they'll go on three, which means I'm sorry. I hope you're right. Um, I hope you win and uh, add to your, I don't know. We should probably go back and see like who actually has more w- weekly wins. I, I have, I think it's probably you, it um, is me, but I don't have the numbers, but that's okay. Well, we can just, we can start next year if you want. We could, we, we can, right and we will. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Andrew, you want to wait? We have 10. We've, this is uh Oh, is it? Yeah. And you want that too. Holy shit. Okay. Wow. I've got it. I've got it for you. If you'd like. Although I have it right here. All right. So Charlotte, Charlotte, Atlanta, Toronto, last two home games, Phoenix, Chicago, and then the next five are on the road. Houston, Memphis, Denver, Phoenix Clippers. Should we just do the rest of the season? Um, we can. Yeah. We fuck can it. The rest of the season. Sure. Um, Clippers, uh, Lakers on the road. And then the last three games, San Antonio, Charlotte, and Boston. So, 14 games. You're wrong. It's 14 games, not 15. Ah. I am predicting that this team will go. Eight and six. That was going to be mine. I know. Don't say I never did anything for you. Well, you didn't. I know. It's not there. But That's what I'm uh, saying. Don't, right. don't say it. Well, now I won't. Eight and six. All right. Um, damn, you have boxed me into quite the corner here, sir. Quite the corner indeed. Well, it's tough because I just said three and oh, which would then mean that they do it. Do it. Just do it. Do it. Do it. Ah. All right. Um, I no, but I'm saying if I do seven and seven, then that means I'm I'm basically saying I'm not saying do that. I'm saying do go nine and five. 
you're baiting me. I am. Because you know, you know deep down. Because if you thought nine and five were realistic, you would have picked nine and five. I thought about nine and five, and it came down to where else are they getting a win on the West Coast trip? I mean, and I and I say that even like I think they're going to win the Houston game, and I'm assuming they're going to win another game on the West Coast trip. And I don't even know where that win is going to come from, but I'm assuming they'll find a win somewhere. And I'm basically saying to you, or unless you think they're going to end the season three and zero on the homestand. Um, I'm going to say. I'm going to say nine and seven. Now, the reason I'm going to say nine, wait, no, that's 16. I'm going to say and nine five. and five. Nine um, and five. I'm going to say that because I feel good about the homestand that's coming up. Okay. Houston's tanking. Memphis was competitive, but I think that's anyone's game. Uh, yeah, the four other games are pretty rough, but the Spurs just got fined for tanking. So uh, if they're going to be in a playing game, I could see them, you know, Wink, wink. One of our guys is hurt again, and the Hornets are probably going to be in the same boat. So um, I'm going to stick with nine and five. I'm probably going to regret it, but that's okay. Listen, that's all li- right. Life is full of regrets. It's how you recover from them. Okay. Now we're going to go to producer cor- corner with uh, Andrew Claudio. Hello, Andrew. Hi, guys. Jeremy, I'll bail you out. The Knicks are going to go 11 and three down the street. Oh, yeah. If the Knicks fucking go 11 and three. Oh, my God. They're figuring something out. I'm done underestimating this team's ceiling. And, you know, there's a hoodie over my shoulder that has magic powers. I'm not going to stop talking about it. The moment I put it on the hook, the Knicks came back in that Memphis game. And here we are. They haven't lost since. Yeah. Uh, and shout out Gunna. Yes. The moment we learned about Gunna, John. Yep. The moment I learned about Gunna. I, and you, too. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Andrew old. knew Gunna. I don't know. You're right. No. He didn't. Who got it? Is yes. <laughs> um, scoreboard update: The Heat won. They beat the Nets. Ah. They beat a Adebayo at the buzzer. Seriously? Yeah. Nets were up 105-101, with two minutes left, and the Heat went on an eight-zero run to end the game. I mean, fuck Brooklyn, but come well, on, just man. before I get to producer corner, does does the KD injury like? Does that factor into you guys? Like the whole thing of a, if Brooklyn's healthy. I, well, we we talked. I know I you was, talked about it, but yeah. now that you I, now I see that this is what their playoff roster might look like. I mean, the lack of cohesion is going to be um, really fascinating for how they approach it. I think Harden is probably their most important player by this point. But mm-hmm. I just want to uh, quickly dance on the grave of Tyler Harrow because uh, a game after being just absolutely atrocious against Minnesota. Uh, even in this win, uh, went four of 13 for nine points. Um, it's not what you want. You know, obviously, six assists, four rebounds is a plus minus of only negative four. Uh, and I say only because uh, other guys clearly did. Oh, no, he was among the worst. So uh, that's just amusing to me. But, well, here, yeah. here's here's why the Harrow thing matters to the Knicks. And I, I'm not getting us. We, we'll save this for another another time. But like he's the he's the trade centerpiece in in the in the Beal trade that everybody if assuming Oladipo does not work out and they don't want to resign Oladipo if they're going after Beal it's it's Harrow is the carrot because they don't have the picks so if Harrow is not that level of prospect were you shaking your head Jeremy you don't I, I, yeah no I I agree with what you're saying but I don't see them as a competitor for Beal at all like you don't think they would go you don't think they would be in on Beal Oh, I think they would be in on Beal. I have from the money perspective. I don't think the Wizards would have no, not even from the money perspective. I don't think the Wizards would have any interest in trading 
Bradley Beal to a division rival for like I don't think they give no a fuck real about good that. picks if, if, and. If, if, if and Tyler Harrow is not going to be a good player. If Tyler Harrow had built on his performance in the bubble instead of making us all realize that the bubble was an anomaly, then he could have been a centerpiece for a, that sort of trade. He, I, I see it as he would have been a very good option, but you know, I think that I think the Heat could be outbid very easily, even if Tyler Harrow is productive. Well, we'll we'll have the. Maybe we will, maybe we won't have the Bradley Beal trade conversation. But I, I, in short, I think the Knicks are going to be in good position if and when that that happens. Um, Convo okay. for the summer. So yeah. producer corner. So LaMarcus Aldridge this week stunned the basketball world by retiring after a, what is it, a, a irregular heartbeat during a basketball game, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so first off, just shout out to him. Hope he is able to live some type of normalcy going forward, um, a safe and peaceful uh, time in retirement. Yes. It did spark some uh, conversation on a website called Twitter.com in two different directions. And so did the retiring of or the t- retirement of one Julian Edelman of the New England Patriots of whether said player is a I Hall of that. Famer or not. And I will start with this because it actually started two conversations. The first being... Who is a player that gets talked about or mentioned as a possible Hall of Famer that drives either of you crazy because he shouldn't be? Um, I'll I could. Jeremy, do you want to go first or I'll go first? I think the hard part about the NBA is so many guys get into the basketball Hall of Fame. That's where it's like it's really hard to find a player who doesn't make it. Uh, baseball is much more selective, even football. I think even hockey as well. Basketball is just like, oh, you did very well as um, as a pro or like you were part of a national team in the Olympics, internationally, whatever it might be. Congratulations. You're free to come in. Uh, there's so many other ways to get included in the NBA Hall of Fame to the well, point it's, where- Hold on. It's, it's not the NBA Hall of Fame. It right. It's a basketball, basketball Hall, Hall of, of fame, fame, which so it's FIBA. It's, it's everything you could imagine. So- Whenever I hear like, oh, this guy doesn't belong in, in the Hall of Fame, the Basketball Hall of Fame, it's like, well, they're going to get in anyway because they just they admit a lot of guys. And and like I was looking through this list of players thinking for this prompt of how can I find someone who's really good, but not good enough to make it. And I couldn't do it. Like I thought maybe Jimmy Butler, but his achievements and his even his uh, Olympic medal, like that's enough to carry him over. And the one player I got to where I'm like, maybe like, I don't even think they're talked about as a hall of fame player very much, but who comes the closest is one of my personal favorite players, Mike Conley. I mean, Conley Mm. was an all-star this past year, uh, an all defensive second team once NBA teammate of the year. Okay. That's cool. Uh, But then we're talking about three times sportsmanship award. It's not a real thing. Well, it is. Apparently it is. Uh, first team, all Big Ten, McDonald's All-American. And I third team KFS parade, All-American. Uh, well, thank you. But again, like... You're in the Hall of Fame now, buddy. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. But Sorry, this Chris. is This is the type of resume we're talking about where this is a player who wouldn't get in. But all it takes is a title. More All-Star appearances. One-third All-NBA appearance. Like, things like that where right, for but- a lot of the guys, especially because a lot of these players are younger. So it's, how do we discount that when they have so much more potential? 
Jeremy, I'm not asking you to say will they get in. I'm asking to you personally, are they a Hall of Famer? They've let a lot of guys in the Hall of Fame that I wouldn't because you know how picky my standards well, are. But... In that case, I'll say Paul George. Okay. There you oh, go. Oh, wow. That's a um, so I'm going to uh, Jeremy put it very well. It's impossible to answer the question because so many guys get in who if we had, I think our personal druthers would not be Hall of Famers. Um you know, it's just it's it's the hall of it's the hall of very good in basketball. It's not the hall of fame. Um, that said, so I'm going to answer the question like in in two ways. The guy who I think will probably wind up getting in that I don't think should get in even by the lesser standards of the, this hall is uh, Rajon Rondo. I think he's going to probably get in, and I don't think he's a hall of famer because I think he benefited from being part of a very good core early on. He had a couple of really, really nice years. And then he went on to be um, somewhere between a nothing impact player and an actively detrimental one when he was like actively issuing shooting for a very long time. And then he won a championship as a backup of the Lakers and he was important on that team. But um, the answer that I'll give for, if this was actually a hall of fame, the guy who I don't think should make it. And he, to be clear, he's going to be a whole first ballot hall of famer. And based on the standards, he should be. But if I had, again, my druthers is Vince Carter. Um, mm. Vince Carter is a eight time all-star. Um, several of those appearances were when he was voted in by the fans um, because he was Vince Carter um, when he did not deserve to be an all-star uh, later in his career. He was in the, I would say the top 10 of the NBA conversation, maybe once he got one year where he's 10th uh, in MVP validating. He made all NBA second team one year. He made all NBA third team one year. Um, I would argue that he was never definitively a top 10 player in the league. And all, with the exception of a couple of years, was never a top 15 player. And I think anytime you talk about a guy who his most memorable moment in the league by far, and it's not close came during an event that was not a NBA game, um, speaks volumes. So Vince Carter is my answer. Well said. Mine is Joe Kim Noah. And if I hear one more person tell me he's Dikembe Mutombo, I'm just going to give up talking about this altogether. So That's a good answer. Uh, the other answer. part of the Marcus Aldridge, because his career was cut short due to injury, uh, a, this conversation gets talked about a lot, maybe like once a dead Wednesday in NBA Twitter. Uh, but... His career was cut short due to injury, and a lot of players are affected by injury. I think Derrick Rose is an easy answer here, but who is the player? Specifically, let's keep it Knicks. Like, if you had a do-over for their career, but it was injury-free, and it's the Knicks, who would you want it to be? That caveat was not mentioned in the prompt. So if you want to go go regular, and then if you can think of a Nick, go ahead. I got I got two. The the answer I I took it the same as as Jeremy. Um, The I'll say the first name that came to my mind when I read the prompt, which is Brandon Roy, because I feel like Brandon Mm. Roy had a game, the type of game that just was fit perfectly with where the NBA was going. Um, He just looked like he had it, whatever it is. And um, I will also say the first name that came to my mind when you talk about Nick, even though injuries, I don't. Well, actually, I was going to say injuries didn't affect the fact that he w- did not spend a ton of time as a Nick. Then again, he was hurt early in his career as Nick. The guy I'm talking about is Danilo Gallinari. And would he still probably have gotten traded in the Mellow trade? Yeah, I would imagine he probably would have. But he did have some early injury issues. And I wonder how much that factored into their decision to, you know, um, include him in, in, in that trade and not wait. Um, but I'll always wonder what Gallo's career would have been like had he never had all, and he had a lot of injury issues. Mm-hmm. So, 
Jeremy. I was also going to say Brandon Roy. Um, it's a good answer then. Yeah, I, yeah, but I, I'll take it in a different direction since you had it. I'm uh, I'm actually going to go with Reggie Lewis of Ooh. Boston. Ooh. Um, I mean, talk about a what if. Yeah, you could say Len Bias as well, but Len Bias's career never started, unfortunately, before. I mean, it ended before game? it really started. But um, with Reggie Lewis, I so uh, he actually died at my college. That's where he was practicing in the off season. And I, for journalism class, was fortunate enough when I was there to write about him, um, you know, and interview people. And, and it was a really great experience. But um, the, the fact is that this was an incredibly promising player who meant so much to the Boston community. I mean, he went to BU, he, he wanted to be a Celtic and, you know, injuries. Um, he had issues with his heart. And of course there's talk of substance abuse that could have um, exacerbated that. And it led to him passing. So um, I think just even from the injury standpoint before the um, more macabre uh, situation, I, I would go far as saying him after Brandon Roy in terms of Nick's, that's I mean, a tough could, one. You want to just point out the, I mean, Bernard King's the most obvious. Yeah, I think in the history. I mean, maybe not the most obvious. What if injury history in the history of the league? But like, he's got to be in the top five. Well, my my memory is uh, a little hazy here because I, I was not alive yet, and I can't quite remember. I, I mean, you guys were barely alive. Andrew wasn't alive. I mean, but, I, I wasn't. I certainly wasn't watching no, basketball. Oh. But, but in terms of of um, King's impact on how the frozen envelope lottery went. <laughs> Yeah. So what, what does, does that change the course? Do the Knicks still get Ewing? I mean, I'm not sure, but kind of, was he, was he still in the team at that? I'm, I'm honestly blanking at the moment. He, um, he, he was. So um, Bernard King, uh, Ewing was a rookie in 19, um, 84, 80, 85, 85. Um, so Bernard King missed that entire year. Um, he played six games the following year. I don't know off the top of my head if those were with Ewing or without Ewing. Um, but the 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 84-85 season, he played uh, 55 games. He led the league in scoring. Um, and for the for our purposes here, the Knicks were hold on, pulling it up right now. Um, cause there were, that pick was not traded. I know that. So like the Knicks earned that pick, like that was not somebody else's pick. Yeah. The Knicks finished 24 and 58 with Bernard King playing still 55 games. Um, did it influence it? Yes. It influenced it because of, I think when the injury occurred, the injury occurred during that year. So maybe we don't get Ewing. Um, but it's an interesting question. Yeah. Well, I'll say this to be more niche, I guess, in terms of at least what I've uh, seen. Um, I think Gala is a great example. I think Amari could work, but I'll, I'll say, um, I was going to say Rashid Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> at least if we're talking about Nick's careers where <laughs> she oh, I thought so much to that team and seeing him go down with the injury, especially after ball don't lie and, and the defensive impact, the veteran presence that he had, he was able to, to do things from the bench, but his on-court presence, it just, it, it reverberated through the entire team. So him not being there, I think was an unfortunate factor. And um, yeah, I mean, there's so many what ifs with that 2012, 13 season, we don't have to go down the rabbit hole of what it is, but that would have been one of the nicer pieces to see him towards the end of his career, really 
clicking with the team and, and not being injured. I agree. Mine NBA wise is currently on the Knicks and it's Derek Rose. Cause I think that's, what's going to keep him out of the hall of fame. I understand he won an MVP with, you know, before he got the significant injuries. Um, but yeah, I would have loved to see what a 10 year prime of MVP Rose looks like. And, uh, my Nick, it's sentimental, but I would like to have seen what the 2010s, well, 2000s look like if Alan Houston doesn't uh, get hurt because the conversation around him probably is different. Uh, it's mostly he got Scott Layden to give him an insane contract and the Knicks overpaid and went into uh, the dumps for the decade. And I think if he's healthy, at least he's remembered a little bit better and less about the overpay of a contract. But so. Sorry, just to go back to King for a second. God. They were great, great points all around. They they were 19 and 36 with King in the lineup. He started, I don't think he missed a, a game before he tore his ACL. Tore his, his ACL in March of that year. Um, so there's a chance they still would have won the Ewing lottery if King, even after King, if, if, if King had not torn his ACL because they were just bad that year. The odds were flat. Because it was just a, the odds were everybody flat. in exactly. an envelope. The odds were flat. If you did not make the playoffs, which they were not making the playoffs that year. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I guess they would have still won the lottery. If, if we're well, to I believe mean, what we believe, then yes. Yes. Which I believe. I believe. Well, no, even like. I, they missed I mean, the playoffs. The, they win the lottery. Yeah. What, I, if that's that's what was my point. They won. The, yeah. Yeah. That's a. Um, yeah. That's a and doozy. haven't moved up since. No, uh, maybe this is maybe this. Well, actually, maybe this won't be the year because maybe they won't be in the lottery. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It's been a, it's been quite a day. All right. The Mavs pick. Fingers crossed there. <laughs> Listen, could you could you imagine if the Knicks were like a four seed and the Mavs were the seven and they lost both games in the play in and it moved up? <laughs> I think our podcast would just be us screaming. Yes. Oh. Like, there was not there would be nothing coherent. Oh my god. Available. It'd just be no. loud noises. It'd be Brandon Marshall mixed with Godzilla <laughs> yelling at King Kong. All right. Um, this has been fun. And Jeremy, anything to, to plug before we get out of here? Um, no, that'll be all for me. Okay. Uh Andrew, anything I'm forgetting to plug? Yeah, I'm gonna plug Jeremy is making his debut on the post-game pod this Tuesday after the Knicks play Charlotte. So everybody tune in. The one and only coincidence will be navigating through a win number seven, if I can be a little stitious on here, uh, after the Charlotte game. I'm excited. Well, thank you. And actually, you know what? I will plug. Uh, we've got great merch, if you can tell. I love that. Um, yeah, you can, you can find it in different colors. Like me, I love the color blue. It brings out my baby blue eyes highlights my eyelashes it just makes all my best features look nicer and it can make your best features look nicer too or it can make your worst features look nicer whatever you whatever you, you feel is this about your, your thing so go ahead you know hit that link five stars <laughs> thumbs up subscribe thumbs up for your, for your whatever you want to do kfs merch it'll yeah. make you look good if you're ugly that's a logo. That's a, or a slogan. That is a slogan. That is our slogan. That, that is, is a slogan. Maybe not our slogan, but it is. It's a, even, it's, it's a slogan. It's, yes. it's yeah. not even true. It, it won't <laughs> help you if you're ugly. You're fucked. Um, okay. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Nick Show School Podcast. No, we love ugly people here, especially you, listener. Um, 
<laughs> I forgot what I was saying. Stop digging. <laughs> You're um, in a hole. Stop digging. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just wrap up. We'll see you, Tom. Um, we'll see you, see you soon. <laughs> Goodbye. Have a great rest of your week. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.